Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. I'm back! Took an episode off. I did. I am. And, uh, yeah, my name's Jake. I'm joined by Sambo and Johnny, who did an exceptional job holding down the fort while I was kept uh, busy with ye olde day job. I had a listen, chaps. It was a good episode. Good job oh, by you. you. Thank you. We had some fun. We soldiered we, uh, on. Soldiered on. Some laughs had. Had a good laugh. Yep. And good, good analysis. Yeah. Thank you. Thought some of the stuff we said came true throughout the game. Mm -hmm. But yeah. No, I, I enjoyed Just not it. the uh, ultimate not, thing. Not the ultimate thing. Enjoyed it, but it's good to have you back. Definitely good to have the trio back. And um, it's always better with the three of us and you able to bring in the opposition, a bit more knowledge on the opposition and their players and whatnot, because as me and Sam said, we just don't really give a shit about the other teams that much. Well, it's nice to be back. It's good to be back steering the good ship, the Chap Chat Cats, and we are glad to have you back. Whoever you are listening in from wherever you're listening in from. Uh, tonight's show, we're recapping Geelong's week three match against the Kangaroos and the AFLW. And then for our Patreon subscribers, we're skipping on behind ye olde paywall uh, to talk about the performance of Michaela Bowen on tonight's edition of the Patreon Player Focus. So if you want that part of the show, Go and subscribe to the Chaps Chat Cats Patreon. It's $3.50 US per month. You get video versions of the show. You get extended versions of the show, including things like the Patreon player focus. But chaps, let's get into the stuff that everyone gets to hear. And that's the full recap. Um, I'm really glad that we didn't have to recap this one on the night. Uh, yeah. Pretty frustrated. The Cats fall to the Ruse once more. It's now six games and six losses for the Cats. Um, they uh, opened this game down at Cadinia Park like a house on fire. They were It was sort of one-way traffic for large stretches of the opening of this game. Uh, kicked early goals through Michaela Bowen, who did a great job, earned two tackles, um, two holding the ball decisions inside 50, got goals from those. Georgie Prasparkas kicked a major, and you thought, maybe the, the the hoodoo will finally be broken. We'll storm through for a breakthrough win over the North. Uh, not to be. I can't remember if I texted you chaps some point during the second quarter and said, oh, I don't think we've put the foot on the throat enough here. Uh, we haven't converted enough dominance. North are getting a foothold, and get a foothold they did, and they completely turned the tables on the Cats, who didn't kick another goal for the game. I believe we were goalless in the second half. Um, and ultimately going down by nine points in the end, 31 to 22. Chaps, an evening that started with so much promise, so much hope, ended with a very familiar feeling. Um, the margins have got smaller against North, but they rise once again. Um how did you come away from this match feeling? What, what were your thoughts? Uh, frustration. 
definitely. Definitely very frustrated at of the outcome. It just feels like every time we come up against the kangaroos, they um just things seem things seem to go their way that little bit extra. They get those, you know, a few more calls going their way, those fifty fifty calls going away, the ball bounces their way. They have to pick it up a bit cleaner. Yeah, it was just one of those games where you just walk away going, don't really think there was much, much learned from that game because it felt like it was, it was felt exactly the same as last year's um, elimination final. Came out really strong, got a good start, held them goalless for the first half, which is only the second time that's happened in North Melbourne's career, which is a good bonus. But not to be able to score a goal in the second half is a bit disappointing, definitely, and one that they'll be bitterly disappointed in. But, yeah, as you said, it was an awesome start. It came out super strong, came out attacking, pressuring, tackling. Everything was spot on. Everything that we were hoping for was perfect. And then you could just see it slowly but steadily turning North's way and sort of felt like as soon as they got that, Early goal in the second, or oh, third quarter, it was like, oh, this is, it's not a good sign. And you could just see the girls starting to, I want to say panic, but not use the ball at an intelligent way as they were in the first half. They started rushing their kicks and just trying to get inside fifty as quickly as they could without really looking up and seeing what was ahead. And you now credit to North Melbourne, their defence is has been elite all season they've let very few points through and for the that reason that we saw on Friday night they set up they set up exceptionally well in their defensive half where didn't let um bloody, I can't, cheer get a clear runs at it they had two players in her all the time even Parry had they held her really well um Kate Katie Seymour as well just all the all the players that we were hoping to step up and guide this team to a great big victory just weren't able to stand up and just weren't able to deliver when we needed to. And the ones that were standing up were not using the ball at the usual efficiency as they normally do week in, week out. So yeah, it just feels yeah, just frustration and feels like we've got a bit of a one of those footy hoodoos about the ruse that we just don't seem like we're going to be able to beat them and doesn't feel like they can beat them at the moment. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, just feeling a bit like, uh, again, this North Melbourne beat us down again. Sambo? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a, if it's a hoodoo or if it's just the reality of the the uh, the teams and the way they play. Um, I think it being a hoodoo would be a positive spin on it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, if we can go on yeah. and demolish everybody else, but the ruse just give us trouble and I don't give a shit. You know, that's, that's great. The ruse, the ruse can have a, have a guaranteed win against us every year. If we're, um, if we're out there piling on everybody else. So in some ways that would be a good thing. Um, and I, and <laughs> I'm not sure. Mystical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If it's just one, of, it's a little bit like Fremantle in the, in the end, like they're one of those teams where it's just at the moment, not, not always for all, all history, but recent history, Fremantle just, just have the, have the goods over the, the, um, the men's team um and it could be like that but to me it 
I mean, you and I talked about this a little bit today, Jake. And I, I don't want to get into too much because I don't want to be too too doom and gloom. But it could be less about less of a hoodoo and more of just a caliber, a caliber of opposition. Um, and you know, the ruse could just be, and probably are, just substantially above the quality of Sydney and the Bulldogs. Um, I think, I think the f- fact that the Bulldogs haven't managed to get a win yet maybe means that yeah. We we maybe had overestimated their the you know the the challenge that they posed to the cats that we we kind of had them in our peer group but perhaps they're they're not and Sydney I think are a pretty good expansion side for how new they are they're pretty good but they are still an expansion side so not to be too doom and gloom but I certainly came away going um you know it, it just over the next two rounds I think I I will will hopefully get a bit more of an idea because I'm not 100% sure that I know where we sit after that game. Um, as a, as a, as a, you know, as far as that premiership window opening, I thought maybe, you know, where we are, where we are in that premiership window, window, how early we are in it, like <laughs> how much of a long shot we are, yeah. because after those first two mm-hmm. rounds, um, I was feeling like we were, we were in with a pretty good shot. Um, and after that one, there was so many positives and I'm, I'm kind of dumping the negative out now, which I feel like you guys are probably similar, dump the negative out now, and then we'll try and hopefully po- spin positive in the back half of the, <laughs> in the back half of yeah. the show. Um, so get, well, the- sort of em- empty the, empty the, uh, the bile ducts now of all the, the stuff that left, uh, left the yuck feeling in your mouth. So I think the first, I think the positives are like, well, one of the positives was that the first portion of the game was probably the most dominant we'd been all year, even against Bulldogs or City. Yep. Mm. So that's good. Um, the, the problem is we couldn't hold it. And I think um, the defense was really solid. I think they played really well and operated really well. The fact we only lost by nine, considering how dominant North were in that second half, I think is testament to how well the back line held up. Um, but I do think we've got real issues when it comes down to the the forward half of the midfield connecting to the to the forward. That's that's kind of where I think our biggest issue is. I don't think, to be fair, I went coming away from the game. I don't think I was as pessimistic, not pessimistic. I was as frustrated as you you lads were. Um, but I do think it was a bit of a remo- uh, a reminder of perhaps a reality that we are existing in, not being the reality we thought we were existing in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and something that I sort of. It feels like from half time against the Swans, it's been a bit of a reality check. Yeah. Like, you know, it was absolute demolition of the dogs for the most part down at Kidinia Park. There was like a, a brief time, maybe after half time in the dogs game, I think, where they sort of took it to us. And then after, thereafter, we sort of ran over the top of them again. But as we said, that's a Bulldogs team I thought would have banked at least a win, if not a couple by now. And they're now 0 3. Um, the Swans, you know, we ran away within the first half. And then after half time, they largely dictated terms to the Cats. And while we did run away again in the opening half against the Kangaroos, we never ran away, ran away. We were we were in control. Now, I would say we were playing well, but not in control of the game. And that came down right. to, a, you know, really in some ways a failure to convert, not just in terms of saying we didn't score our chances we only had seven scoring shots for the game uh, and the majority of those came in the first half 
Uh, we had three goals in the first half, I think it was, and we kicked three, four for the match. Just wanted to look at historically against the Ruse. So over the course of our time, we've scored 12 goals, 27, 99 in six games against the Ruse. They have kicked 35, 28, 238. The interesting thing for me was taking out the first two times we played them, which were absolute monsterings, uh, where we kicked four goals, five, 29, to a combined 21, 11, 137. The last four games where the margins have been eight points, 12 points, two points, and nine points. So games where we've lost by no more than two goals, we have kicked eight goals, 22 points, 70 to the Kangaroos 14-17-101. So we've created only one less scoring shot, but we've kicked eight goals to their 14-17. We, we have repeatedly failed to convert against North Melbourne, and I'll, I'll hand pass back through you, Sam, and then your thoughts on this. John, like, the, the use inside 50 bothered me. The use at times yeah. streaming away yeah. in space in uncontested situations and just plonking it up in the air on top of defenders, you know, and and, and um, trying to think of her name. It's um, Emma Kearney, 12 intercept um, possession, 12 intercepts. You had Emma King with seven marks. They just, we just, it reminded me of that final last year, Sambo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, look, I um I think it was it's almost even hard to call it our inside 50 use because I don't think as much as we we've got a pretty on par inside 50s um for both against the like for the for the ruse that we were 32 to and they were 33 um but even for our season where our average is 33.3 and we're 32. So our inside 50s statistically looks like you know acceptable it looks like what we're at but it i don't know how many realistic looks inside 50 we're actually getting do you know what i mean i think a lot of those inside 50s and i think this is kind of what you're saying jake but like it wasn't even so much the use inside 50 as the use just outside the 50 um and that we were it was there were such pie in the sky deliveries like you know a, a double meaning they were pie in the sky is in really friggin' lofty and high and slow, but just pie in the sky is in really hopeful, just kind of going, well, let's whack it in there and, and see what happens and hope they can, can sort of muster something out of it. But our, our efficiency inside 50 was at 25%. We're, we're only behind their um, inside 50s by one, but our efficiency was at 25% and theirs was at 42.4%. Um, so like, it's going to be hard to win a game at 25% <laughs> inside inside 50 proficiency. Um, so, like, it's – it's. I don't know exactly – like, you don't want to name names and stuff. I don't know 100% where the issue lies, uh, and I don't know 100% know where the solution lies, but it does feel like there's some players there that – are in positions here to to fix this this issue that it was you know and that's the encouraging thing about this game was that if we had three more inside 50s that were more likely we could have won that game on the on the back of our 
on the back of our back line holding up, you know, valiantly and just like some efficient use of the footy inside 50, we could have taken that game and maybe thrown the monkey off the back. So I think that it is a, it is a positive because I think it's, I don't think it's a huge fix. I think this Shelly Scott coming back in, I think Becky Webster coming back in. Um, and I think a couple of the players that are in the team as we speak just kind of, um, as John would love to say, lowering the eyes, getting those, getting those. Because yeah. we, did, we, didn't, we didn't take anywhere near enough of those running option marks inside 50. And that's, you know, that's really what I see. If you're going to play Shear as a full forward, uh, which is another conversation to have, um, yeah, you don't really want her to be having to mark above the head. You don't really want her having to go up in a contest against defenders that are like a foot taller than her. You know, you, know, yes. you want you want her streaking out, taking it on the chest, and able to turn around and chip it in closer or, or have a shot. And you just didn't really see that. Which, uh, like I said, I lay that blame a little bit on the midfield, but it's also hard from a broadcast angle. Maybe the options weren't being made. Maybe the way the Roos were defending was was really narrowing those options, and so the only conceivable way to deliver it inside fifty was to loft it and hope for some chaos. But to the to the broadcast eye, it looked like it was really that kick inside fifty that was just um, it felt really like a like a real step backwards for us. Like I wouldn't necessarily say it's been an issue all year that I've noticed, but um, yeah, it, it certainly was. It was just a little little frustrating to watch to see them in such good positions, um, and you know winning the ball, winning contested possession, and then kind of just mm. absolutely flailing it up in the air. Yeah, it was definitely frustrating to see that because we saw it earlier on when they were playing it really good football. Was that inside ball, inside fifty kicks were going long and deep and getting over the kangaroos' defensive line and putting that chaos on and putting the pressure on the kangaroos to really think about the way they used it in their defensive half. And when the pressure was on, they made mistakes just like any other player. That's how we got two of our first goals from Michaela Bowen. Putting the pressure on, sweating on the players, and getting two great tackles for, and kicking goals out of the result. And then, as the kangaroos started getting that dominance in the midfield, just said it like the Cats players either not been aware of, where, of their surroundings, or if they had enough space, but they tended to get the ball, take a few steps, and then just try and get it inside fifty as quickly as they could where they could have taken a few more steps, got that longer ball in, got over the kangaroos' defence maybe, and then caused a bit more chaos as we were. But as, as the game went on, it sort of felt like they, yeah, all their, their talent and skills were like put to a side. And it was just like, we've just got to get this inside 50. If we just get a goal, get back to our momentum, we'll get control back into the game and we'll cruise on to a good victory. And unfortunately, it just didn't ban out and it fell right into kangaroo's hands where a long high ball inside 50 that's not too deep for a sheer who as you said sam's not she's not the tallest player not the tallest for forward and when she's got two three kangaroos on her it's not going to end well and that's where um the kangaroo's defender was able to get 12 intercept possessions and a lot of them were pretty straightforward she just had to run grab it and 
then control it and do it easy. Keep the out. kind of intercept possessions that Brian Taylor would deny being an intercept possession. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ones you, it's the ones that Not Tom sure Stewart get. call that an intercept. Pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. giving them away for free. Giving them away for free, but yeah, it was just that feel and look that they're just going back to like the very basics of we're a new team. Let's get it inside fifty. Let's pump it in there, put them under pressure, and we'll get goals that way instead of going. Let's. As I say, lower the eyes. Let's look at the targets. Let's instead of bombing it, let's do a small chip to another player who's maybe twenty meters away. Just chip it around, and I, yeah, it just felt like the panic really set in when the Kangaroos yeah. started playing well, and they just didn't use the each other as well. I felt like they were, weren't playing as a team, and you know, early on when they were playing as a team, they looked absolutely electric. Electric. And on and fantastic. So yeah, yeah I, I that side was frustrating. I, I I do agree that when they were on, they looked like I said. I still think that there were there was a, a reasonable patch there where around the ground we looked the best we looked all year, even compared to the oh, absolutely the, bull, the Bulldogs game, except for mm. the conversion, of course. Um, mm. So just just to, to like, so do you feel, John, to just to clarify for my own benefit, do you feel like it was the way we were delivering changed or the way the kangaroos were defending it changed and we didn't then adjust That's our delivery? Probably a bit of both. And that was also the pressure that the kangaroos had to put on, politicians on that <laughs> midfield. <laughs> um, I feel like our, the, the delivery inside 50 sort of remained the same as was getting there mm. long because I think the kangaroos' defence do like to intercept. So I was like, let's just get it over that intercept line let the small forwards do the work. But as soon as that midfield group of kangaroos started just piling on that pressure, and there was immense pressure because there was three, four, five, six kangaroos around the one player, not much time to think. You just, you know, you just kick it. You just get it out of there as quick as you can because you don't want to get holding the ball. And I think that's where the issue started was playing the pressure would get it out to a player that may not have been under as much pressure, but they... As the commentators like to say, it was that perceived pressure, where you think you where you think you're under pressure, but you're actually not. You could actually take a few more steps. I think that's yeah. what really hampered our ability to send it inside fifty a bit cleaner and a bit deeper. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say because I think I think one of the ones that was probably probably most noticeable to me was the disposal of Georgia Prasparkas, and it was largely yeah. noticeable because she is normally so good, good i think and that was what was was and this is kind of what you're sort of getting at now was was like it was is it skill error is it perceived pressure or was it actually a tactical change that they were they were like and i think i think maybe maybe you're onto it that their plan was to as you said sort of said get it in there get it deep over the the intercept line and just cause chaos which it really did um but i think there was a point where the kangaroos really organized themselves mm. and there was no longer chaos. It did not cause chaos at all. And we just continued to, to do the same thing to, you know, the definition of insanity. Um, and, and then linking back to the, the pressure uh, and Georgie Prasparka. So she went at 65% disposal efficiency, which isn't actually that bad, especially for a it's midfielder. It's especially for a midfielder under pressure, except that 19 of her, possessions were uncontested 
So it's one of those things where you do like you do we do generally make an allowance like well is that disposal efficiency a midfielder or a defender or what and and so I think sixty five percent isn't that bad um, I think the eye test certainly said it was it was worse but I think the fact that she had so many uncontested possessions and yet her disposal efficiency didn't like didn't crack the seventies um, I think probably yeah probably is a little bit yeah. of a sign that she was either either playing playing differently uh, because of something we don't know or like you said her instruction was actually different kick it as long and as high yeah. as you can <laughs> and so she I was, think she was I, performing her role accurately uh, like correctly but perhaps they should have amended it at the halftime break yeah and uh, i really think it was that as i said perceived pressure because there was a lot of times when she was on the on the wing on the far wing of the broadcast where it looked like she had plenty of space to run into and use the ball and and link up but just bombed it uh kicked it a little bit earlier than what she normally would have and when mm. and that's the that's one of the things that is a bit odd about it is you know she's normally on top of the pressure she normally gets cuts mm. through players dies side steps like like she was early in that game. Like early in that game, she was sidestepping, getting out of tackles, getting inside 50 really good, really, really deep and clean as maybe the instruction was. But as soon as that kangaroos just got on top, that's where it just fell apart for the Cats. And even for the whole midfield as well. Um, mm. I don't think many of the midfield would be going, yeah, that was a, a good good second half. And then you've got, you've got looking, like... Michaela Bowen, a comparable sort of example with less possessions overall, but more than half of her possessions were contested, and yet her mm. disposal efficiency was 82.4. Um, she had a great game. Chantal Emonson, 75% of her dispo- of her possessions were contested, but she went at like 71%. Um, the, there is those players that were using it quite well, even under pressure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as yeah, to, to just continually repeat, what we're what we're saying, it's kind of like either Georgie Sparks was feeling some real perceived pressure, or it was she was attempting to, you know, um, perform the role that was set before her, and maybe it was it was the wrong one. We talk about this stuff sometimes. Like I remember talking about it after the final last year when they knocked us out, where we said sometimes we felt that the cats almost were persuaded into taking the wrong option by the crowd. Mm. As in the crowd gets up, the blood gets pumping. It's like, oh, we're on top. Just put it mm. long and, you know, go deep and, you know, just attack, attack, attack. And it sometimes it's the opposite. You've got to stick to the process of how you want to cut another team open because I just remember sitting there in that game against North at Kidinia Park last year and just going, we are beating our heads against the wall. We mm. continually are just getting it, kicking it long about a kick or half a kick earlier than we should. You know, you, you're putting it long inside 50 from like 65 metres out or 70 metres out, and it's just like this is going to fall straight into where all that north defensive setup is. They mark, they rebound. And look, in fairness to them too, north are just a very calm side they're not even. I think they just are very content to grind you. They will be more than happy to win by nine points. Doesn't bother them. They don't need to look stylish. They just want a win. 
and another four points. Um, I find them a frustrating team to watch, but I begrudgingly accept that the method of of, of how they go about it is is highly effective. Um, but something that stuck out to me, chaps, you know, we talked about the tackles, and North definitely had more tackles in the second half. I was just trying to do the math on top of, off the top of my head, and I think it was about. 34 tackles in the first half and 49 after halftime, but clearances, chaps. 11 to 15 in the first half. We had 11, they had 15. 7 to 20 in mm. the second half, 18 to 35 for the game, and we were destroyed at the stoppages around the ground. We actually won the center clearances, but the stoppages, um, yeah, around the ground, um, 33 to 14. and. That's just something I would say that surprised me a little bit in the second half was I thought they, not only were they taller, but we went in tall and their talls still were out marking to intercept us or, or get it down the line. And the other thing that surprised me was I thought they bumped us off the ball a little easier than I expected around mm. the clearances. Like they were really throwing their weight around some of their midfielders. And I think that's reflected in the clearance count. I think that they were very physical in a fair way. I think they were able to move us off the ball. The fact that um, in terms of clearances, uh, you had our leader was Amy McDonald with three, Nina Morrison, three, Prasparkas with two. And then you've got, the Kangaroos with Jasmine Garner with 12, Mia King with eight, Gavalis with three. Like we didn't have those those midfield superstars of ours getting first use of the footy and, and that just kills you as well. So I, uh, in terms of that, the strength thing, the physicality, I was pretty surprised, honestly, that in that second half, particularly in the fourth quarter, I thought that we didn't see Chloe Shear moved up into the midfield. I said to you, chaps, she played predominantly in the midfield when she played VFLW this season. She had three touches for the night, three disposals, one kick, two handballs, no marks, one tackle, um, and a behind. I, I really don't, and I don't want your thoughts on this, I didn't get why... It wasn't a no-brainer to go, we need something in the middle of the ground. Chloe Shear is getting well held tonight. Let's do her a favor. Get her out of the forward 50. Get her around the ball. Get her just off the ball. Get her with that ball in space. Or, or ask her to burrow in against some of those tough North Melbourne midfielders. I don't know. I was surprised. I, I, I kind of felt like we maybe missed an opportunity there to throw her around the footy and make use of one of our most talented players. Yeah, I mean I'll I'll keep mine mine brief because you and I you you and I have discussed it today, Jake, and you know sort of how I feel it. I, I agree and I've I've been asking for her to be played in the midfield since season twenty twenty two uh A, I think I think it was. Yeah. And I, I I really felt like she her when we were having delivery inside fifty issues that her kind of um scything kick uh, her, her mark to a lead and a scything kick was really what we needed uh, around the arcs. Um, so, and as you said, she's played a, a bunch of it in the v, in the VFLW. So, um, 
if that's not practice for when she does it in the in the AFLW, that's then what, what, what was it? Um, hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. How about you, John? Yeah, I don't see why it couldn't hurt. Um, don't see why why not. She's big. She's strong. She's got a really good kick. She's good below the knees. She's, yeah, just an all-round really mm. competent player. And I think that the way Jackie Perry's playing, she can, you know, bleed that full forward and that forward line pretty easily. So, yeah, why not? Why? What's what's going to hurt? What's going to be the uh, effect of her going in that midfield? I don't think much. And you could chuck Kate Darby or Fuller or even um, Hoare in, in that full forward if you want a bit more height and tallness to battle that kangaroo's tall defence. So, yeah, I, I reckon a few changes wouldn't have hurt um, because... I mean, they definitely needed it. Got beaten so sadly in that midfield in that second half. Why not just throw the caution to the wind and go, yeah, midfield, bash around, get the ball, boot it inside mm. 50. Because if she boots it inside 50, it'll probably go a long way and go cause a bit of chaos. And who knows what it could have happened. Just five or ten minutes even. It doesn't have to be for a whole quarter. Yeah. Just, just put her in for a stint. Just see if she can shake loose of whoever was marking her and and get her involved Dis- in the game. Sometimes disrupt they, players can go cold up yeah. forward. Disrupt the um the 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 way of the order. Maybe the kangaroos got mm. a bit too used to the way that things were going. It was a bit of a status quo for the kangaroos. It's like, yep, you next, you next. Maybe she went in there, may have changed things up a bit much for the roos and might have thrown them off balance for a bit, but yeah, it's just yeah. Again, definitely felt more frustration than anything out of that game. Probably most frustrated was being after a, a women's game. Just going so close. You're there. You're so close from mm. becoming that dominant team. But when the the pressure's there, when the the opportunity's there, it just just feels like they're not taking it with the, both their hands, like they're afraid or unsure if they're really able to yet. They are, and they definitely need to. They should. So I'll just put it put it like this. We believe we're in a window, but there's a bit of learning that need in terms of the talent that's on the roster, yeah. the experience that's on the roster, but now it's like it's it's figuring out this next step of winning these games, but we still feel yeah. like this team's good enough to go a long way. Absolutely. This team's Agree? got more than enough talent to go all the way. And yeah. I think the kangaroos just put us back in our place going, you're not there just yet, mm. but we're not far off. Yeah, and look, we may even get there this year. Like if Becky Webster coming in could, could fix a lot of that mm. midfield mm. issue and Shelley Scott coming back could free uh, Shear up. So, yep. uh, you know, mm. uh, again, uh, Ashling Maloney feels like she's got a breakout game not far around the corner. There's a lot that next can games. go. Can, next, the next one. You wait, wait for my predictions in the, <laughs> in the, in the preview. Um, yeah, look, there's, there's so much, so much. I don't know if you're, are you transitioning into into votes, Jake? Is that what you're thinking? Or? Just going to transition us um, into just a few positive players or things oh, cool. that you noticed that maybe didn't make votes. So, um, do you have do you have someone you want to start us off with, or something you want to start us off with on the on the positive side of the the coin? Um, yeah, well, I was, I think. 
it's it's a bit more vague and it's still still talking about that first half, still harping on that that first half. But I did think specifically, I've talked about how I think we played really well, but I think I think the thing specifically that was the best that I've seen us do all year was our was our structure off ball and our our link up play to move it down the ground in that specifically in that first quarter and, and the second quarter as well. I thought we were I thought it was so exciting. I really thought if we had to carry that through the game, I don't think there would have been you know, it's, it's amazing how much difference half of uh, a half of football can make to your opinion of a season. Because yeah. I think <laughs> if we had played like that the whole game, I don't think there would have been any way you could dampen my my spirits and my 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 uh premiership aspirations. Because I just thought that was so exciting. That was so exciting, specifically the way we moved the ball and that. I still, I still think that transition into fifty just wasn't, just wasn't uh, up to where it needed to be, or wasn't the kind that we really deserved to be doing. But uh, around the ground, I just thought we were so in sync, so like so on the same level, and and operating at that real instinctive kind of. Um, you know, <laughs> moving and linking up without thought. So I thought that was something that really looked that really looked good. Um, as not only the defense, but also just that that link up play amongst the the, the players. Lovely, yeah, definitely. If if they had played that way and still lost, I think we would have definitely have a different mindset of going. Geez, we're just about there. We just got to do that little bit extra. But I think that's and that's where the frustration comes from. Is seeing that first half and then seeing that second half, it was uh, just you just go, oh, it hurts, it hurts seeing that first half, and then followed up by a second half that just one that didn't they didn't really deserve, or one that um, just shocked me a bit because I was like, what, what's happened here? Where's mm. all what what has happened here? What what has the, what have the kangaroos done to make the cats play this way? But mm. My positive is um, I think Zali Friswell played a really solid game, especially in that first first half. I think a lot of our positives will come for the first half for mm. obvious reasons. But, yeah, I think her work off the half-back midfield was really dynamic for the Cats, like how she was able to just get to the right position and stop Kangaroo's players from streaming forward and not only pick it up cleanly but dispose of it really effectively. And get the cats moving. A lot of the, a few of the cats attack came off her first disposal, and being brave as well. I liked how she was able to take the brave kick of going into the corridor and really setting plays up. Yeah, for sure. yeah. I, I like, I like that. There was actually some some stuff that I wanted to highlight. I haven't just had a, a a big move of location at work. So I haven't been able to dive into some of this stuff as much as I would have liked. I wanted to go back and find some footage from the game. There was a few moments, not only with Michaela Bowen, who we'll talk about, but I thought Zali Friswell, um, her running off the ball to provide an option was, mm. was just super. Mm. And there was a few players in that same position. They may not have got the ball, but you know, I find myself more and more watching for that stuff. The players that move the, players that keep efforting to help their teammates. Um, I would like to point to uh, who was I going to talk about? Um, uh, I'm actually going to talk about Jacqueline Parry. I know she didn't kick a goal and she actually kicked two behinds, but I, I actually think that, you know, eight touches, 
for a forward, that's fine. I don't expect Jacqueline Parry to touch the ball 15 times a game. Took four marks, laid a couple of tackles, won two free kicks. I, I, I think she's actually been quite consistent through the first three games of the season. Um, she didn't get a reward in front of goal this weekend, but that's just how it goes sometimes as a forward, uh, particularly, I, I think, as the second or third. You know, I, I know she has led the attack in terms of being one of the players who's kicked you know, most goals or whatever for, for the Cats through two weeks, but that doesn't necessarily mean you are the lead forward. I think it's pretty clearly Chloe Shears, forward 50, um, and then you've got Parry and, and Maloney as the secondary sort of options. But I, I, I don't know. I've just been impressed with Jacqueline Parry. I know she kicked behinds instead of goals. That'll frustrate her. But everything else she's doing, I feel like she's quite transformed, just playing with right. a different kind of confidence. And I hope that she's able to look at this game, even though she might not have put goals through the big sticks, and go, no, I'm still, if I just stick to it, I'm going to keep kicking goals this season. I'm going to keep being a really valuable contributor for the team. I like her work a lot this season. Yeah, I Sham agree. Um, uh, Rachel Kearns, Mark. Go around again. <laughs> oh, what a mark. Oh. <laughs> worthy worthy of, of, a, of a moment's uh, respect. Uh, yeah, that was, that, was, that was brilliant. Like, and, and it was one of those moments where it did remind you how much like potential we felt like she had and and that she still does have that potential that there's there's you know there's this still things to work on um but she can do a couple of those here and there and um you know really sort of just i think just fine tune her uh her disposal and probably game awareness just to make sure she's in those positions more often because i think she's got the ability to i mean clearly she's got the ability to do remarkable things yeah and so a lot of the time it's just being in the right spot to be able to do it. Um, and yeah, so that was, yeah, that, that was a, a, a real highlight of that pretty dour second half. Yeah. Love that. Love that mark. And it felt like one of those ones where she's tried it before and dropped it and kangaroos just yeah. sped off. Mm. And I was thinking that when she was going up for it, I was like, oh no, this could be a really disastrous moment, but she reeled it in perfectly mm. and could be mark of the year. But yeah, that was a, Brilliant moment. Um, another one. I'm just going to say the defence for the team. Just the defensive work was sensational, especially, again, in that first half. Not to let them kick a goal was just brilliant. That for the second time to happen to the kangaroos is mm. is something that they can hold their head, heads up high, the whole team, going, yep, we've done that. And I think... That could possibly be a reason why we felt a bit of a wrath of the North Melbourne. It's like that's not going to happen again. But even when North was mm. were on, the defence still held up really well. They did everything they they could to mitigate the Kangaroos going inside fifty. They never gave up. You rarely see them give up um, because yeah, they they like in the the end team the defence defensive unit is rock solid and works exceptionally well as a team and you rarely let see them not support each other and not help each other out so yeah again defensive team unit is solid as yeah solid they, as that, anything you want that squad line could have been a lot worse if we hadn't been yeah. so good un under pressure definitely absolutely um i'll just finish this out she might be in your votes she's not in mine she was probably the next player up um, 
after the three I ended up picking. But Georgie Prasparkas, um, you know, I I think that you know we talked obviously about the the use by foot at times, but you know, sort of leaving a little bit to be desired. But still, eight tackles, kicks a goal, six hundred and. 17 meters gained. The meters gained stats a bit of a weird one. I wish we had an effective meters gained. But what I just mm. wanted to say, I guess, was I I would have even been happy if they threw her into the forward line for a bit. A direct mm. swap of Sheer yep. into the middle, Prasparkas into the forward line, and and almost put a bit more chaos ball in there. Don't go high. Put put a kick that bounces around and causes trouble because she's so good at picking it up off the ground. Uh, you know, gathering cleanly. I think she's such a great player when she's attacking on instinct and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I did just want to, I guess, follow up all of our talk um, by saying she was really close to getting in my votes again, and I yep. think we're 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 lucky to have her. So, uh, oh, um, yeah, just and and particularly, I suppose, the tackling pressure. Players like herself and Emerson. Um, Amy McDonald as well. It's kind of a, a package point of McDonald and, and Prasparkas for me. 17 tackles between them on a day where they were probably beaten in terms of clearances, five total clearances between them, but 17 tackles. It's, yeah, I appreciated their work rate on a day that turned into a pretty tough afternoon at the office. Yeah. Um, let's do some votes. Let's I will lead us off and I will keep it mostly short and sweet. Uh, I'm giving Nina Morrison one vote. She still has not won a free kick against North Melbourne. She's played them five times, has never won a free <laughs> kick. Um, she laid eight tackles, so uh, think of that what you will. 22 touches, five marks, eight tackles, three clearances, and a goal assist. Uh, two votes for Claudia Gunjaka. One of you guys will probably want to talk more about Claudia's performance because you've both you know, been saying in the in the group chat, you know, just how great you thought she played. And I totally agree. Uh, but I'm giving three votes to our Patreon player focus uh, player, Michaela Bowen. 17 disposals, uh, team high disposal efficiency, um, second highest disposal efficiency in the game behind only one Kangaroos player, four tackles, three marks, one three free kicks, kick two goals. I thought she was brilliant. So. That's my one, two, and three. What about you, Johnny? Nice. Um, mine is one vote. I'm going to um, Michaela Bowen. Sensational game, especially in that first half, all around solid. And everything else you said, just absolute, absolute firecracker. And I feel like a good good game for her, one that looks like to set her season of rolling nicely. Two votes I'm giving to Chantel Emonson. Another, she's just one of those players that has solid games each week and flies under the radar. But I thought she really stood out this week and did a lot, of, a lot of defending and a lot of effective defending in the half on the half back line, and was doing her best to get the cats pushing forward. And my three votes I'm giving to Claudia, Claudia Gunjaka, just another sensational game. But her work in that first half. In defence, really just set that defensive unit up for the for the game. And Mark, she was able to get the pressure, the smothers, and just all around her composure that she's showing this year in defence under and under 
really high pressure has been a really real standout for me. And I think I mentioned it last week, the way she's able to just run back, get the ball and look like she's about to get tackled, but just get away from them and use the ball really smartly and effectively and link up with the team. And yeah, I thought another just ripping game by Claudia and definitely be definitely be a lot of, lot worse of a scoreline if she wasn't in that um, fullback with Meg McDonald. Uh, yeah, love it. Uh, I've got my one is Chantel Emerson. Uh, you know, Johnny already mentioned it. Uh, a lot of what she did, but you know, eight eight tackles, um, nine contested possessions, seven seven of them intercept and disposal efficiency cracked the seventies. Um, yeah, I think she was she's she's one of those real under the radar players that just doesn't do anything super fancy, but is just so so dependable. Uh, and you know, nine times out of ten, uh, you just know she's not going to really make make a mistake. Um, which is just invaluable to have in that back line. Like she's really, she's just such such a good pickup. Like mm. you know, <laughs> just speaking of you know being lucky to have Georgia Prasparkas and that, we are, we're mm. also very lucky to have her in there. Uh, and my two votes go to Claudia Gunjaka, and my three to Michaela Bowen. Nice, a lot of overlap, but none of us Love it. entirely the same this time. Is it? No. I feel like we've gone for a few weeks, even following on from the M, where we were we were largely in in step, apart from a, a one one or two here and there. But this is this one's got mm. a bit of variety to it. I like it. The spice of life. Um, spice. Excellent. That is the free portion of the show done and That's dusted. We are now going to lot pop over to the Patreon player focus and discuss Michaela Bowen's performance, her significance to the side, etc., etc. on the Patreon player focus. So if you want to hear that, if you want to watch that, go on over and subscribe to the Chap Chat Cats on Patreon, $3.50 US per month. Extended shows, video shows, and during the uh, applicable seasons, VFL men's and women's coverage as well. Would love for you to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, give us a five star rating, we appreciate it. Above all, keep listening. We love it. Until next time, go cats! Go cats! Go cats! Uh.